series that we've been talking about, the, uh, the ten tests that you must take to fulfill your destiny. Every one of you have a destiny from God. Say that. I have a destiny from God. And so I want you to prepare for this. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you as you're turning and taking your Bible. Uh, the couple of places I'm going to go is Genesis 37 and Genesis 45. So Genesis 37 and Genesis 45. But while you're turning there, Hebrews, Hebrews 11.3. Listen to what this says, okay? It's, I have it on the back here too. By faith, we understand that the world was framed by the Word of God. Put that in your mind, Word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Let me read that again. By faith, we understand that the world, worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So God spoke things into existence. Have you ever thought about this? How does God go about creating things? Does He snap His finger? Does He think about it? Does He go to the angels do that? But how does He do that? Well, Genesis 1-3 tells us. Genesis 1-3 is not on there. Just, just listen. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So He spoke light into existence. He spoke the world. In fact, then, in Genesis 1-26, then God said... Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let, him, let them rule over the fish, the sea, the birds of the air, and over the livestock, over the earth, over all creatures. Moving on the ground. So God spoke mankind into existence. So when God creates something, what does He do? He speaks. Come on. When God creates something, He speaks. Thank you. If you're new with us today, you're thinking, what kind of church did I get into? You got into a church that's alive today and wanting you to become alive, and we believe that God is living. Amen? So everything that God has created... He is created by His words, by speaking forth. And when He wants to do something, He speaks it forth. And so, so Joseph here in, in Genesis chapter 37, 5 through 8, Genesis 37, 5 through 8, Joseph is proclaiming what God has spoken into his life. So here it is, okay? Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 8 says this. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain and out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now again, what he was saying, Joseph was repeating back what God was saying. His dream that God, the destiny that that God spoke in his life. God has spoken over every one of you into your life. Okay? He has spoken a destiny over your life. Before you were created, God spoke destiny into your life. While you're on this earth, God is constantly speaking into your life. You just have to listen. So here's what happened. So so you know the story. We talked about this. The account was Joseph was thrown into prison. He was sold. He was falsely accused. He rises up. And then his brothers come back. In, In Genesis 45, if you want to flip over there, Genesis 45... Verses 7 through 8. If not, they're on the screen. I'll wait a second. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Verse 8. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. So God had destiny for Joseph. And he spoke over Joseph's life, and Joseph was used to save not only the children of Israel, but Egypt. 
And you see, you and I, we get into this mindset, okay, I go to school, or I go to trade school, or I get a job, I pay bills, I get money for retirement, I die, I go to heaven. That is not God's plan for your life. That's part of the plan, but that's not the plan. You see, Joseph was used to save people. You are used to save people. At your school, at your home, in your work, in your industry, in your church, in your community, God has a great plan for your life. And maybe the American dream has killed that dream. You see, God spoke to you. And isn't it interesting, I've talked about this before, when studies are done with, with kids that are like in kindergarten or first grade, and, and they ask them, how many of you are artists? Almost every one of their hands go up. And then, they, like in about third grade, they say, how many artists? About half of those kids put their hands up. And by the time they're in the upper grades, they say, how many of you are artists? Only maybe one hand goes up. Why? Because the world is telling them, this is who you are, this is what you are, this is how you're to live your life. And you see, every one of you are an artist of some type. And I'm not talking about music, I'm not talking art, which maybe that is, but see, God has put something special in every one of you. And as you start going older, your mom and dad, your teachers, your professors, your family, your military, your country tells you, this is who you are. The Republicans say, this is who you are. The Democrats say, this is who you are. This is what society says. And all that is bunk. Because God says, this is who you are. You may walk in one of those, but that's not who defines you? I define you. Do you see this? So God prophetically spoke a word over your life. And so this morning we're going to talk about this because God has spoken into your life. So the first thing is the prophetic test. Finding God's word for our lives. You see, God has called each of us for a specific purpose. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a, pro- as a prophet to the nations. Pastor Stan, that's talking about Jeremiah. That's talking, yes, to Jeremiah. But if God does that to Jeremiah, he's done that to you. He's done that for every person in this room. Every person that's born, he has a purpose. Psalm 139, 16 and 17. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Can, can you fathom that concept? God said, okay, Stan Nelson, this is what I have for your life. Whoever you are, insert your name, so-and-so, this is what I have for your life. And the psalmist says, I can't even fathom. You see, God is thinking about you every day. Parents, we kind of understand this a little bit. We, you think about your kids, however old or young they are, you're thinking about them all day. You think, man, you, they smile, somebody bring a frown to your face, or tears, or joy. But God is thinking about you more than you can even imagine. He's like, oh, that's my child. Hey, Gabriel, come here. Look at my children. Michael, come here. Oh, oh, oh. you want to see their picture? The, any, the angels probably, God, we see their picture. We stop. Right? You see, God is thinking about you every day. He's a divine destiny for your life. He has spoken into your life. And the problem is some of us, we don't give time to allow God to speak to us. Or that thing God spoke to us, we buried it. Well, I got bills, I got school, I got family, I got life. And that's part of life, but that's not life. Amen? And see, letter B is God spoke a word over Joseph's life. And you see, Joseph had to go through some tough times. He went through tough times. And it seemed at times that God's words were not true. But see, this is where faith kicked in. He said, no, God spoke those words in my life. They are going to be true. I'm going to hold on to them. I'm going to live them. There's a couple important things I want to read to you out of Psalm 105. Psalm 105, 17 through 19. Listen to this, okay? He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He, he, he was laid in irons. Verse 19 is very key. This is what we're talking about for a moment. 
until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. You notice that there's two words, word. Now the problem with the English language is we, lo- we use the same word for word. And in the Hebrew, there's a couple words for, for word. And so here's the first one is this, okay? The first place on verse 19 where it says, until time that his word came to pass, that word is debar, or basically, until that time, his prophecy, until this prophecy came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him, and this word, the second word is, is Imra. Let me make sure I get it right. This word is Imra, meaning the spoken word, the word of God. And so, basically, let me get it right. It says, until the time that Joseph's prophetic word or spoken word came to pass, the literal word, the, the Bible of God, tested him. So we miss this. And so what's happening is in your life, God had spoken a prophetic word, and he's using the, the Bible as a standard to test you and to build you. Does that make sense? So what he did to Joseph, he said, until my prophetic word comes to pass, the Bible is testing Joseph's life. So I'm, I've got to purify Joseph. I'm taking the standard, I'm taking the Word of God, and Joseph's life has to be filtered through this. And you see, unfortunately, in the church today, we don't allow this to filter our lives anymore. If we don't like it, we we go, I don't like that. Or, you know what, I'm going to just close it. I don't see it, therefore it doesn't affect my life. But you see, that problem is you're going to stand before God. And He's going to ask you, hey, you, you did not allow me to change your life. And God is going to take the word and he's going to judge you with it if you don't, or he's going to bless you with it. And so, the little word of God, this is our standard, okay? This is the standard. Say, this is the standard. Not the Republicans, not the the Democrats, what they say, not what the White House says, not what another government says, not what they say in MTV or, or TV or anything. This is the standard of life. It's true. doesn't matter if they, they make it illegal or not, it is truth. Truth is still truth, Amen. This is the standard. And so God is going to take this standard against your life and see how you're living against it. Scary, but also exciting. Because when you submit yourself to it, it's not scary. It's exciting. God changes you. So, so here it is. Whether you reach your destiny or not, it's up to whether you know what's in this book or not. Your destiny is up to you. It's not me. Well, pastor, if you preach better sermons, or if my mom did this to me, or if the government did that, that God didn't say any of that. He said, I spoke a word over your life. Now I'm going to change it according to this. How did you live it out? You see what I'm saying? God is saying it's up to you now to live out the destiny. And so this is the word, okay? The second part of this is, let us see, the third part is, knowing the Bible, knowing the Bible will help you fulfill your destiny. Church, you know I rant about this. You need to know the word of God. More than Fox News, more than MSNBC. I know I'm on this right now because we live in a high charge area. And, I, and I'm shocked. I meet Christians and they say, did you know that, uh, that the Republicans are the Democrat and I, and I agree with them? And you know what? I don't agree with all of them. I agree with some of, some of all, both of the parties, but I'm a child of God first and foremost. And there's all this stuff about marriage and, and, and sexuality. The world's telling us and we're like, oh, haters. I'd rather stand up with God any day because He's the one I answer to. And this is his standard. And I don't hate anyone. I love all people. And so when they come, oh, you're a hater, man. You're judge- I'm not judging you. This book is going to judge you. This book is going to judge me. And I'd rather stand inside of truth when God calls me before him than any other authority. Because see, when I die, I'm not going to stand before George Bush or Barack Obama. 
I'm not going to stand before King George. I'm not going to stand before Beyonce. I'm not going to stand before the Denver Broncos. I know I'm getting crazy. I'm going to stand before God's Word and what He said in my life. And you and I got to get the garbage of the world out of our minds. And we got to get in the Word. This is our standard. Amen? Good preaching, isn't it? Thank you. Amen. You need to know the Word. And listen to this. Many believers try to make progress in their lives, but they're, they're not fulfilling their destiny because they're disobeying the Word of God. You know why? Because they don't read the Word. Listen to me. God cannot, say this, God cannot violate His book. God will not bless disobedience. And what's happening is we have believers that are disobeying God and saying, God, bless me. Bless my finances. Bless my marriage. Bless this. Bless, bless, bless. And he says, I can't bless you because you don't live according to my standard. Amen? You see, we think God is Santa Claus in heaven. Oh, bless, 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 bless. And God says, There's, if you want to be blessed, you've got to live according to my word. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And that's why I gave you that little mini tithe lesson. The Bible says, I cannot bless your income, your finances, if you are robbing from God. Malachi 3.10 says, how can a man rob from God? By not tithing. Some of us in this room are struggling financially because we don't tithe. God, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And you know what? Just start giving and let God bless the rest. Some of you, in your marriages, you're not being fulfilled or it's not working because you're arguing and fighting and you're not humbling and submitting yourselves one to another. Some of you are not being promoted in your job because you have not yet learned to submit to the authorities over you. When God puts a boss over you, He wants you to submit to them. And some of us are like, man, I don't submit to no one, man. I don't check the God. Yeah, and I, don't, I don't answer to no one. Can you imagine Joseph doing that? Alright, Joseph, let's go to the pit and see how you do it. Joseph, I have a dream. You're going to bow down to me. I'm Pentecostal. Hallelujah. I can dance in the Spirit. Yes, I can speak in tongues. You don't tell me what to do. Alright, how about some prison time, Joseph? You see, some of you are stuck in a career, you're stuck in a position because you have not yet learned to submit to that boss. And you're saying, God, this, this boss is a jerk. He, doesn't know. he may not know anything. Or she. But God says, you have not learned to submit to me by submitting to them. And I don't even want to go to politics yet. Oh my goodness. Boy, some of us talk about President Obama like he's the devil. You better stop it. That's not from the Lord. And George Bush, or any other president, or whose pastor, you better not talk to them like they're the devil. Because there's only one devil. And these men have not, they're not the devil. And so when you start bad-mouthing people, and you say, God wants you bless my nation, because we're bad-mouthing our nation. Instead of getting on our knees, God have mercy on our nation. God save these men and women who call themselves politicians. That's what we should be doing, amen? I know I bad-mouth them too, but I repent... And I don't try to speak bad, and I don't... Anyway, I'll move on. The Bible is the greatest book. You must know it, you must read it, you must study it, you must meditate it, you must chew on it. Amen? Proverbs 40, and I'm not going to go there, write this down. Proverbs 40, 20-23 says it's the word of life. And you have to... The only way you, you know about the word is reading it. The only way you hunger for it is you read it. Okay, remember my example of wheat bread, white bread? I remember growing up, I, I told you, I don't like white wonder bread. I like whole grain breads. But I had, to, I had to train my body. So now, if, if you give me, if you, I come to your house, you serve me white bread, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to be happy. 
But when I go home, my body craves constantly. I'm craving whole grain food because why? I've trained my body to hunger for it. And it's the same way with the Word of God. You've got to train your body, your spirit, to hunger for the Word by reading it. And you begin to have a hunger. Hey, you've been having an appetite. You say, you know what? I don't need to watch TV. I need God. I don't need to do this and that. I need God. Amen? Amen? All right, I need to move on. The, the second thing, God still speaks today. God still speaks today. Amen? You see, you and I, we're blessed to have the Bible, right? Come on. How many of you have ten Bibles in your home? Five Bibles, two Bibles. I mean, if you have a, if you have a Palm device or a cell phone or an iPad or whatever, you can have the Bible with you everywhere you go, right? You see, Joseph didn't have that luxury. He was in the Bible writing classes. They were writing about him. He was being written about him. You see, Joseph, all he had was the, the, the words God spoke over his life. And you see, we're so blessed to have the written word and we're so blessed to have the prophetic word. And unfortunately today, there are some that try to say, well, tongues and interpretation, words of prophecy, word, that's all failed. That's not right. God still speaks to us through those things and He also can speak to you through vision. He can come to your room if He wants to and make Himself known and speak to you. But we've been so brainwashed by these theologians who are so afraid of allowing the Holy Spirit to flow. They're afraid. And some of us are like, oh, I mean, I grew up in a church, a Baptist church, and I'm not being mean, but just they didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. That stuff went away because the Scripture said that, you know, it went away. And I'm like, where? I, didn't, I don't see that anywhere. And they took one Scripture, took it out of context. And you see, God did not lose His voice over 2,000 years ago, Right? God didn't say, oh, I'm going to stop talking to everybody. I mean, if that was true, then why would we pray? Amen? I mean, it was new to me when I came into a Pentecostal. It was weird, yes, it was strange. But there was something about it that I liked. Hey, they have a connection to God that I don't have. You know, the tongues, interpretation, and the stuff they did was different to me. God still speaks to us today. He's still speaking to you right now. And the gifts of the Spirit still exist today. God doesn't change. Amen? In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-21, it says, Do not, listen, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. In other words, God's saying, hey, don't, don't make fun of prophecies. When, when a tongue and interpretation happens in a Bible study or, or a Sunday school class or Sunday morning or you're out with a believer and it happens, don't make fun of it. Because God might be speaking to us. God might be saying something to you. Amen? Don't discount all the visions that you get during the day or in the shower or at night. Now, if you, if you had a, a whole pizza, pepperoni pizza the night before and drank a six-pack of Mountain Dew, then yes, you probably should doubt your dream that night. Okay? Maybe. I'm just being silly with you. Letter A, the, here's how God still speaks. The prophetic words are only part of the puzzle. 1 Corinthians 13.9 says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Basically, you and I, how many of you know that you don't know everything? Everyone's hands should go up. There is no one on this earth that knows everything. I've met a few people that think they know everything, but I stay away from them because they don't know everything. Amen? And so basically, you're never going to know any, everything on the earth. Just get, just get that in your mind. You'll know more every day, but you're never going to know everything. Hey, you're such a negative guy, Pastor. It's the truth. Okay? We only know 
in part. We only know part of everything. And since we don't know everything, even included when the Word of God is spoken over us into the church or your life, you still don't know everything. God doesn't give you everything because if He gave you everything, you and I would mess it up. We would be fearful of it. Or we would blow it. And we'd get cocky like Joseph. Hey, look at me. You guys better bow to me. You see, God only gives you the parts that you need. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle, right? When you try to put it together, God already knows what it looks like. He created it. But He just gives you little parts every day that you just kind of put together and put together. And then, of course, at the end of it, it's going to be awesome. But what He does with you and I is He speaks to us in many ways, but there's two things I want to talk about just for a few moments this morning. Is prophetic words that God speaks over your life are not the whole picture. And the, and the Bible is not the whole picture of your life either. But what happens is when the prophetic speaks and the Word of God is read you get a clearer picture. Okay? And so God still speaks through you the prophetic. God still speaks to you in your dreams and your visions and, and heart. And He speaks through sermons and Bible studies. And he, he speaks when you read the Word of God. He speaks when you pray. And so you've got to add all these together. These are like parts of the puzzle. You start putting them together and you begin to see the picture clear. Amen? Does that make sense? You see, because the Word of God is the perfect Word of God. And when He speaks to us, He speaks to us through the Word of God. He speaks through prophecy. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through people speaking into your life. He speaks to us in many ways. God is not done speaking. Some might say, well, Pastor Stan, everything God has said is in the Bible. Yes and no. Everything that we need to know in the Bible is written in the Bible. But He's still speaking new things different every day. It's nothing like against the Word. It's a new thing that He speaks into your life. Amen? Are you catching this? Are you following this? So, so here we go. Don't be afraid of the prophetic word of God. You see, some groups are totally afraid of the prophetic, and then there are some groups that are just, that's all they want, it's just the prophetic. You need both. You need the word of God, and you need the prophetic. So here it is, let it be. Prophetic words are to be judged, okay? Prophetic words are to be judged. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, two or three prophets should, be, should speak, and the others should, should weigh carefully what is said. The scripture makes it very clear. Prophetic words are to be judged. Okay, How do they be judged? They need to be judged against the Word of God. They need to be judged by the Word of God. They need to be judged by, does it fill up with the Spirit of God? Amen? Because, listen, humans... How many of you are perfect? Anybody perfect in this room? Has anyone ever told you something, okay, tell the boss this, and you get back to the boss and you forgot some of what the boss said? Husbands, your wife told you to go to the store... And because you're, you know it all, like me sometimes, I don't need a list, right? And you get to the store and you're like, what was that again? And you call them, can you help me again? You see, because we're humans, we're, we are fallible, we make mistakes. And so sometimes the, the Word of God speaks to us. It's like, it's like the Word of God or the prophetic Word of God is like a, a hose. And the pure water coming out is the Word of God. And so sometimes we are, God speaks to us, we're like a screen in front of the water. And whatever's on that screen comes out of what's being said. So if there's dirt on that screen, guess what comes through the Word of God? The prophetic Word of God. Whatever dirt. If there's jello on that, paint, I don't know, I don't know. If there's cologne on that, whatever God speaks through us, whatever's in us, when we relay the message, comes out. Does that make sense? So sometimes we're so afraid of a Word of God. Well, well, they spoke it wrong because they spoke it through their filter. Does that make sense? So when God speaks through you, make sure your filter's clean, number one. But don't judge people because, well, that is, God didn't say the, He said, ah, there. 
wow, okay, when did you become Jesus? You know, uh, okay, so when God speaks, it goes through our filter of who we are. Number three is, how do we judge prophecy? We judge prophecy again by the Word of God. I've already said this, but I'm trying to say, we must judge prophecy and test it. The first way we judge it is through the Word of God. The Word of God is always our standard. Okay, I'm going to say this again. God will never contradict His Word. Say that with me. God will never contradict His Word. And so a true prophecy of God will never contradict the Word of God. And unfortunately, sometimes in the Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled churches, a person gets up and, and, and during worship time where they, they pull someone aside and said, the Lord told me to say to you, blah, 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 and it's against the Word of God. Then you automatically know. You don't need to pray about it. Oh, I've got to go pray about it. If, it's, if it contradicts the Word of God, say, that is not from the Lord. You have permission. Say, that's not from the Lord. I don't receive that in Jesus' name. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, you know, that's fine, Pastor, but you see the problem? It's not fine because the church keeps getting dis- get, getting swayed by people. We keep following people. Remember Jim Jones? People fell for what he said because it was from the Word of God. It was God. Remember, do you remember David Koresh? There are other people even now that are on TV that people, they believe everything that person says more than what the Bible says. Shame on us. Because you have to take everything they say. Everything that I say, you need to make sure it comes from here. Your favorite Bible teacher on TV radio, you need to make sure it's being said through this. Amen? We must judge prophecy by the Word. In fact, Deuteronomy 13, 1-3, I'm going to read this. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place and he says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, let us worship him, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord, your God, is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart, with all your soul. God is letting us know that we should never listen to a prophecy that goes against his nature, his word. Again, If a prophecy contradicts God's word, it is not a prophecy from God. Get that, amen? And so I'm tired of the church following after people, signs and wonders, and not following after the word of God. Now the signs and wonders still happen. But if, if you're following signs and wonders, you're not following God. You're following signs and wonders. And there was, a, there, was a, there was a minister just a few years ago, and his name was Todd Bentley. I'm going to just mention his name. And he was doing all these signs. Everyone believed everything, but he was living a false life. He was doing alcohol and drugs, and his, he got divorced, and, and he was doing all this ungodly But he said, this angel spoke to me. He kept saying, the angel, he was false prophesying. But because things were happening, it means, oh, but he had to be of God. People were being healed. God can still heal. But people were worshiping Todd Bentley and the signs and wonders. You see, Todd Bentley's not the first. There's going to be others like him. There's been others like him before. And the problem is sometimes we, just because we're so excited about the prophecy and the word of wonder and the signs that we just forget about the word of God. And if the messenger's lifestyle is contradictory to the word of God, then you better run away. I don't care what miracles they're doing. I don't care if they're raising people from the dead. You need to stay away from them because that's what it says in Deuteronomy. Do you believe the word of God or not? Mm, I don't like that answer. <laughs> It doesn't matter what I say, it's matter what God says. And whether you like it or not, because we always filter everything by how we like. How, how we're raised. And so you've got to make sure this is your filter. Amen? Amen? You see, this is how cults and false religions get started because we don't check up on it. This is how Joseph Smith led a lot of people astray. This is how Jim Jones led a lot of people astray. This is how David Koresh led a lot of people astray. 
Because people did not check it out against the Word. You need to check it out against the Word. Amen? I need to move on. Letter B is we judge prophecy by the inward witness. Romans 8.16 says the Spirit Himself bears witness when our spirit, that, with our spirit that we are children of God. This means that God lives in you. His Spirit lives in you. And when our spirit recognizes a message from the Lord, you have a, a positive, a good feeling inside, a, 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 an internal testimony saying, yes, this is the Word of God. Or yes, this is it. And God will tell you sometimes, you know that, 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 that gnawing spirit, like, you know, there's not something right about that. That is probably the Holy Spirit telling you, this is not right. I don't know about that person. I, again, being because we're charismatic Pentecostals, I've been in enough that when a person comes in, I'm a prophet or I'm, you know, and then something strange about them. I don't know about it. And then all of a sudden, in the next couple of weeks, when, when the U.S. Marshals come, oh, duh, the Holy Spirit warned me. You see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is your inward witness. The Word of God is your witness. The, the, the other believers, what the church believes, those are witnesses. Are we supposed to be faithful to the prophecy? No, you're to be faithful to God. Amen? And sometimes, though, prophecies may not be against the Word of God. It, just, it may not make sense. And you know what you need to do? Just say, God, I'm going to put that prophecy on the shelf because I don't understand this right now. If this is true, Lord, it's going to come true. Let me understand this. If it's, if it's true, then... I mean, because I don't know how many times, and I told you this when I was a young, single uh, minister in my first church. Uh, I was uh, 20-something, and, and I, I remember I had all these parents and grandparents. You're going to marry my daughter. You're going to marry my grandparents. The Lord told me, uh-uh-uh. Didn't tell me. I don't receive that because Olivia would go and beat him up today. No, she wouldn't. Uh, maybe. Uh, see, I, I had to wait until God, I met her in Colorado at Springs. And I remember one night, it was late at night, and we just got done with youth service. One of the youth leaders calls me. Hey, Pastor Stan, hey, what's going on? I need to talk to you, okay? Can we meet? No. But what can we talk about? Well, God gave me a vision that we're to be married. Uh, no. <laughs> that is not from the Lord because he didn't tell me. You're a nice lady and all that, but no. And you see, just because a person comes and tells you, Pastor Dave, God told me, you're supposed to give a million dollars to me. Uh, the pastor said, no. Because he may not have a million dollars. Or he might, I don't know. But you see, just because someone says, uh, God told me to tell you this, you didn't tell me. He'll speak to you usually first. Amen? But if it's something from God, Pastor Dave or Pastor Stan or Shelley or whoever you are, God says, oh, I'm going to call you to do this. And you're like, I'm not sure about that. And it doesn't disagree with the Word of God. Just put it on the shelf. Say, God, help me to know if this is from you or not. Amen? God is a loving, gracious God. I need to move on. i got so much to tell you. Okay, thank you. Number four, every word from God is submitted to the Word of God. What? Every word from God is submitted to the Word of God. Now listen to what I say for a few minutes. God's mercy should not be confused as contradictions. Let me tell you about the story. When Jonah, remember Jonah? He goes, God says, Jonah, go to the Ninevites and tell them. And Jonah didn't like the Ninevites, right? God, they, they look different. They have a different color skin. Or they vote different than me. Or, or they eat different foods than me. And, or they live in this certain region of the world. And, and so when God tells them, what do we know of the story? He rebels, but then finally he repents after, of course, being in the, the belly of a fish for three days. He repents Jonah 3, 3 through 5 says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. 
Verse 5, the Ninevites believed God, they declared a fast, and all of them from the, from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. In other words, they repented. So, so Jonah says, Nineveh, you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. Get right with God or you're going to burn, basically. That's the vernacular today. And they immediately repent. They turn. And so now, would you say that Jonah was a prophet of God? He was, because it says he was. Okay? If it says it in the Bible, he was. Okay? If the Bible says Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Messiah. Okay? And so, he was a prophet. The Ninevites hear the prophecy. They repent. But you see, Jonah, in verse, uh, Jonah 3.10, when God saw that they did not, how they had turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. You see, Jonah was a true prophet, and every word that is spoken through a prophet has to be submitted to the word. And see, 40 days came and passed, and they didn't destroy the city. God didn't destroy the city. Wait a minute, that's a contradiction. Pastor Shan, you just said, God never contradicts himself. Then you need to read the whole Bible, because the Bible is a Bible of mercy. And you see, God wanted them to repent, it was a warning. And if you read this, you'll see, in fact, then it says, uh, the scripture has, um, well, I'm not going to go there yet. Well, I, I will, but I'll come back to this. No, I'm going to come back in a second. But it, it says that God says, I don't take joy in killing people or them dying. I want all to repent. And you see, Jonah, you, thought, you would have thought Jonah was excited. Instead, he was angry. Why was he angry? Because God didn't destroy the city. And Jonah would be made known as a fool. Hey, God, you said I have 40 days and you're not going to burn them? Not even a little? Kind of toast him a little bit? He was mad because he was more concerned about what he looked like in front of the people. He was mad because the prophecy seemed contradictory. He was more concerned about the prophecy than he was the Word of God. And I see people in the church, it drives me crazy sometimes. They're more concerned about the, the prophecy than they are the, the God who spoke the prophecy. And, and, and people who have a prophetic gift mix, you know who you are, you just see things in black and white. There's no in-between. It's wrong or right. And sometimes you get mad when God doesn't slap someone. Man, Lord! And the person of mercy, oh, thank you, Lord, you had mercy on that person. And you see, God is a God of mercy. And when God, when a person repents, He sometimes relents. Sometimes He still judges them, but a lot of times He'll back up and say, they repented. Aren't you glad? You and I could be in a lot of trouble. Every word of God is submitted to the word of God. So when a prophecy comes out, and it sounds real, and, and I don't know about you, but I, you know, I hear a lot of prophecies about the end of the United States. And, and it's looking like that. But you and I can pray and ask God to relent. But there are some that are like, oh, I can't wait for this nation to burn. It needs to burn! Burn! No! It does not need to burn. Well, I don't agree with the government. I don't agree. You know, you never will. You never, no, why do you think that you should? You need to ask God to have mercy on it. Well, I don't like the way they're doing this. Then get on your knees. I don't want to burn. I don't want this nation or any nation to burn. Amen? God's a God of mercy. Let it be the God of the, God of the Word is the God of mercy. 2 Peter 3.9 the, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as... as some understand slowness. He is patient. Oh, aren't you glad with that? He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see that? He wants Republicans to know Jesus. He wants Democrats to know Jesus. He wants atheists to know Jesus. 
We're like, man, I hope, man, God, get them! Burn! No! God, have mercy on their souls. Amen? I know you prophets don't like that, but prophetic is not my gift. <laughs> Can you tell? God is a God of mercy. Ezekiel 18.32 For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone declares a sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Amen? Number five. Hold on to prophetic words. Hold on to the words God spoke to your life. Hold on to them. Don't let someone tell you what you're not going to be or you're never going to amount to much. And I, I don't know about you, but when someone tells me that, it's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I get, that's when I get attitude. Like, yeah, I will show you because God told me already. Chest out, head back. And I, and I don't do that because that's what got Joseph in the pit, remember? So got Joseph in the prison. Hold on to what God... See, even though you face circumstances... Well, Pastor, you know what I'm saying? I'm in a dead-end job. I'm in a dead-end marriage. I'm in a dead-end church. I'm in a dead-end world. You need to hold on to the Word of God. You need to hold on to that prophetic thing that God spoke to you. And you need to say, God, I'm standing on this promise because every word of yours is true. And one day, I don't understand it all, but you're putting the puzzle pieces together with the prophetic and with the Word of God and with the experiences of life. In order for you and I to pass the prophetic test... You must simply hold on to what God has spoken in your life. What He said, you see, why am I stubborn and staying at this church? Because God has given me some big stuff for you. It's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we serve a perfect God. And some great things are happening, have happened, and will continue to happen. And I'm stubborn enough to hold on to it. I am. And I'll leave when God tells me to leave. And you'll leave when God tells you to leave too, right? But God has great things. So let's hold on to that. Let's not give up on what God is doing in our lives. Amen? In your family, in your church. And if God's spoken to you, keep believing. Amen? The last part of this message is this. Letter B, hold on, holding on requires some effort on your part. Holding on requires some effort on your part. 1 Timothy 4, 14-16. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of the elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress, watching your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Holding on doesn't always mean sitting and waiting. And too many Christians, specifically in the American church, we are sitting and waiting. Pastor, why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Because I'm only one man. And you are responsible for your gifts. I'm responsible for my gifts. I can't do everything. I can't be everything. I can't be everywhere. And if you want to grow, you've got to say, God, I want to be diligent with the gifts that you've given me. I'm tired of sitting around. God, I want to do something. It says here, it says, don't neglect the gift that God's put into your life. He's spoken to you. Be diligent. Give yourself wholly to them. Watch your life and doctrine. Persevere with them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You see, Joseph held on. He held on to that gift. And he didn't just sit. When he, remember that when he went into the prison? He didn't just sit there. Well, God cares for me. He worked while he was in prison. He worked. And God blessed his working. You see, you, maybe you're just passing through and you're just going through this area and you know, whatever you're at. You know, I'm just at this job for a little while. I'm at this school for a little while. I'm just in this church for a little while. At least do something while you're here. That's good preaching. Amen? 
Well, we have you. We have Pastor Dave. We, we have the church board. No, we're, we're here to help you find your gifts. And you to use your gifts in your work, in your school, your home, your church, in this place. Amen? You're not to hold on. You're not to sit and wait. Well, I've got to just wait. No, you're working while you're waiting. Amen? You're doing while you're waiting. Work where God puts you. Some of you hate your job. I can't stand this job. I can't stand it. Then you're just going to be there until you can learn to stand it. Amen? You've got to just work hard and enjoy it. Do it as to the Lord, not to your boss. Amen? Minister where you're placed. Love the pagans. Love those Democrats. Love those Republicans. Love those white people. Love those black people. Love those Asians. Love those Latinos. Love everyone. Amen? Love people. Show them the love of Christ. Use your gifts in the church. Use your gifts at work. Use your, give your tithes to the Lord at the church where you go to church. You see, God has a destiny for your life. He has someone He wants you to touch. Did you know I don't work at your workplace because you're the evangelist for that workplace? I can't touch your co-workers. I mean, if you bring the church, maybe I can. But you have a relationship with them. Your family. I can't touch your family unless you bring them, but of course you have a relationship with them. Amen? God wants you to touch someone. He, he has someone for you to reach. He has a church for you to serve and give in. He has a call only you can fulfill. You are the only you there is. You're the only you that will ever be. Amen? So allow God to speak the prophetic words. And if you don't know them, say, God, help me to see them. Help me to hear them. Hold on to that thing that God gave you, that vision, that dream. And when your young kid says, I'm going to be a missionary or I'm going to be an astronaut, I'm, help them to find out and help them to, to foster that dream from God. Amen. I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be a scientist, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be the president, I'm whatever. Just help them to cultivate the gifts that they have in them. Amen? Amen? Hold on. Press on. Would you stand up with me this morning? Take hold of the things that God has promised you. Hold on to them. Amen? Live them. Believe them. They may not be happening today. They may not happen tomorrow. They may not happen next year, but hold on to the dream that God has given you. Hold on to that purpose, that vision God has given you. Amen? This morning, we are going to have an altar time for a few minutes of prayer if you want to come up. But I want you to hear the Word of God. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You see, God has a great plan for everyone in this room. He has a great plan for your lives. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment, just for those, the privacy of those around you. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. We're not going to do things strange. Don't worry. As the musicians are beginning to play, you see, Jesus is the Lord of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will have life. And you see, maybe some of you in this room have never given your life to Jesus to let him be the, the Lord of your life. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to say, you know what, Pastor Sam, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus right now. I want him to be my Savior. If that's you, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. Okay, I trust that you've done that. So now, here's the next thing, okay? You can look at me now. Here's what I want to speak over you. I want to speak over this. God has already spoken a word in your life. Some of you, you've allowed it to be buried by bills, life, the worries of this world. God wants to bring that back to the top right now in Jesus' name. So if you want to respond to whatever I say here for the altar, you want to do this, you can come if you
you don't want to, that's fine. But I want you to come forward if you're not sure the words that God spoke in your life and you're saying, I want to know for sure what they are. I want you to come to the forward. We're going to Pastor David and I'll pray with you for a moment. Come forward and say, you know what, I'm not sure what those words are, but I want to know those words. Come to the front. Or, you know what, Pastor, God spoke those words to me, but they've been buried, and I want them to come unburied. I want them to come alive. Come to the front. You're saying, God spoke something to my life. It's buried now, and I want it to come to the top again. Come to the front. Come on, we want to pray for you. Come on, don't be afraid. You know what, Pastor Stan, I need strength to carry on. Come on. Come on to the front. I want to hold on, Pastor, but I'm about to give up. Come to the front. Come to the front. Come to the front. If God's speaking, you're not sure the words of God, or you want to, you want them to be free again. Come to the front. Maybe you know what you say. You know what? I want to hear God's voice better. God, help me to put away distractions. That's you. Come to the front. I want to hear God's voice better. Please come to the front if that's what you want. If you want to hear God's voice better, if you want to carry that dream again, you want strength to carry. You want to know what that dream is. Come to the front. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I need God's wisdom to discern the prophetic from the flesh. If that's you, come to the front. I want to know when I hear God's voice. I want to know what the prophetic is from God. Come to the front. Come on, come to the front. I want to know. I want to know what they are. Maybe this morning, maybe you're afraid of the prophetic. Maybe you're afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. See, you know what? I don't want to be afraid anymore. Come to the front of that too. I don't want to be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want to be afraid of what God is going to do. I, I, I want to be free. Come to the front of that too. Maybe you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come to the front. Don't worry about it. That's you. So here's the list again. If you're not sure the words that I've spoken, you want to know them. Come to the front. We need God's strength to carry on. I want you to come to the front. If you don't want to be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit or the prophetic, come to the front.
afraid of that dream you spoke to us a long time ago. Let's not be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit of God to flow in us, in this church, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in this country, in every country of the world, God. Give us the compassion that you have for every man, every woman, every child, every teenager, every person. You have compassion on them. Let us begin to live out that great purpose. You have great plans for every man, every woman, every teenager, every child in this building. We want to live it out, God, right now. We want more of you. We need more of you. We're going to go forward with more of you, God. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And we receive this open heaven that's going to come over our church and over our lives, God. We bless you, God. God has given you. Amen? Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Just go forward in what God has called you to do and believe Him for the great things for your life, for the future, wherever you go, wherever you're at, God has a great plan for your life. Amen? So live it out. Amen? Don't be afraid of what God is going to speak to us. Now, I, I want to give a moment. I'm, I'm going to step out of the way. Pastor Dave has, has something he needs to say, so I'm going to step out of the way right now. actually going to read it to make it a little easier. Um, have a letter for the church. It is with careful consideration and prayer that I have submitted my resignation as a youth pastor at Rockville Assembly of God, taking effect in three weeks from now, uh, Tuesday, May 7th. I want to thank Pastor Stan Nelson, the church board, and very importantly, the teenagers and their parents for allowing me to minister to all of you this last year. It has been a joy and an honor for Haley and I both to partner with this church in ministering to this congregation, this community, and most importantly, their teenagers and your families. This resignation, I assure you, is in no way because of personal problems or conflicts with the church leadership or any of the members in this church. 